It's always cloudy in Cleveland. Brought to you in part by Roscoe Sports Twitter. We have all the hit news about Cleveland sports. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Always Cloudy in Cleveland. Your boy Junior couldn't make it today because he had some prior obligations. But I'm chilling here with your boy Diesel Nut, Maddie Ice. Yo. And by popular demand, we brought back the Ski Boy Wonder, a.k.a. Cobra Kai. How we doing, everyone? Glad to be back. Absolutely, man. Excited to be here again. Thanks. Can't wait to hear all these stories. (laughs) All right, guys. So... We all watched the game. We're going to get right into it. Fucking Browns. Tore at the heartstrings. Tore, really a tour at the heartstrings. And I was watching it with Matty Ice the whole way. And it was constant up, down, up, down, up, down. On the, on the Rust Coast Twitter account, him and uh, his brother were having this war. Because, uh, go ahead and, and describe it, actually. It was awesome. First of all, you guys got to follow the account at Rusco Sports. Uh, it, it's really, probably, I would say I peak probably during the Browns games because my emotions really come out then. But we all started when everything looked terrible. My brother tweeted, put putting down, like, you know, like little asterisks, puts down beer, pours himself tall glass of bleach. So then all of a sudden, we tied the game up. So I... Quote tweet that, and I say, I yeah, I quote tweet, and I say, put down tall, you know, what do you call it, tall glass of bleach, fills up beer, and then we quote, quote tweet that again, and then says, sigh, even bigger glass of bleach. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like, it's honestly, the That's, roller coaster of those tweets basically defined the season. <laughs> describes it. Describes every part of it. And the and the Baker Mayfield gif, of course, once Chandler Kenzaro hits a 59-yarder to win it. And obviously, 26-23, your final. I, just to summarize the game in my eyes, just like, like Ice said, it, it was a constant up and down where I'm laying on the couch and then I'm getting in front of the TV and everyone in my apartment was doing the exact same thing and then you're disappointed again. I can't have games like this anymore. So let's let's get right into it then. I mean, me personally, I think it was the offensive woes that really was the issue for this whole football game. What do you guys think? What what happened with the offense and what, what do the Browns need to improve on? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, first off, you can't spot somebody a half it's 16 to 2 at halftime that's you, you can't produce two points uh in, in in a half and expect to win a football game and those two points were scored by your defense early in the game on a safety um you know second half definitely got a little bit more momentum I noticed that that the Browns got more vertical uh they opened up the playbook a little bit more Juice. we're really yes we're looking downfield Instead of going dink and dunk. They were going dink and dunk with Baker that whole first half. And he's not a dink and dunk quarterback. He's a guy you have to take chances with. Uh, they also you know, didn't abandon the run game. Uh, Chubb, I think, had 80 yards on 18 carries uh, and a tutty. So that was a nice little debut for him. Not using Duke enough still at all. And they designed some screens for him in the first half. Didn't see much of them in the second half. Um, but o- overall, I mean, I, I feel like the, the defense kept him in the game. But offense was just... It, it, not good. And I, I totally agree with that. Ski Boy, what's your take on the whole game? How many how many takeaways do we have? Four. Four. How many do we have total this season? 
Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it leads the NFL. Uh, we have seven, stats guy usually like has that 16 down. 16 or 17? Yeah. I would how, say. how many points did we get off of that? That's Four. a really good question, actually, Ski. 24. That's I think it was 24. 24. Yeah. Off, of, off of 17 takeaways. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's not going to done. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying that I've been very critical of Todd Haley since probably week three. I really did. I was very excited when we initially got him, but his play calling has been very, very questionable. Um, like we kind of talked, or what Diesel Nut just talked about here, um, he was throwing these five-yard outs. That's not who Baker Mayfield is. He likes to throw the ball deep, test out the cannon, and that's what happened in the second half. You had Jarvis making his routes, then that unbelievable touchdown that he had, but Again, it's just Duke Johnson. He's just nowhere to be found. It almost seems like Dorsey said he has to play a lot more. So they gave Dorsey his first possession, and then all of a sudden, they just he just went unexist. So he never came out of the halftime. I don't understand it. I almost felt like it almost was like Dorsey was like, listen, you have to play Duke Johnson. I oh, just yeah. traded Carlos Hyde, and they're like, listen, Dorsey, we'll put him in for the first possession, and there you go, and that's it. And I thought, too, with not having Carlos Hyde anymore, Duke would be in there. The majority of the time and still not utilizing him as much as we could skiboy that's a great point what do you guys think about this whole carlos Hyde situation did you guys like the trade do you think we got enough in return for him what are your thoughts yeah i mean this is one thing that people have to think about the jacksonville jaguars didn't trade for a starter he's going to be a backup when Fournette gets healthy again so to get a fifth rounder even though it really isn't much a fifth rounder it's still a backup running back. A running back is not a very important position in the NFL now. Yes, you need to have a good running back, but there's a lot of good running backs out there. So again, for a backup running back, it's a fifth-round pick, and I think it benefits the Browns more on the field than it does with the trade. Fair, fair. Uh, I think that the worst part about the trade, though, is is the whole depth part. Um, you're running out a guy, uh, Hilliard, here, who, who has definitely looked good in preseason and has been part of the practice squad. That's your third-string running back now, though. And we all know that Nick Chubb has a history with injuries. Duke Johnson also has a history with injuries. So that's the one concern I have in that area. But again, uh, get Duke some carries, for God's sake. It's supposed to, you're supposed to split these carries between these two right now, one between your rookie and one between a reliable playmaker with his hands and when he has the ball in his hands. So I don't see why Duke isn't getting the, the real run that he deserves uh, especially when he's proved himself in those situations. It, it makes zero sense, and I think it's literally coming down to either the offensive coordinator trying to sh- sabotage the head coach or vice versa. Well, you guys like alluded to it. You'd imagine that Duke Johnson was going to lead the pack. You know, He figured he'd get probably double or triple the touches he's been getting out throughout these first few weeks. And one last thing I wanted to uh, kind of mention here about the Hyde thing. I think one, as fans especially – us for we see it all the time we get really pissed at players when they leave our teams I just think one thing that we don't ever kind of see is the player side you know we are like oh you know he's making millions of dollars he doesn't care who he's playing with remind you guys Carlos Hyde literally missed almost missed his son being born to play for the Browns he was a free agent he chose the Browns and the Browns didn't even last one year he didn't even last one year with the Browns I mean, it's just like, you know, you, we always talk about player loyalty. How about a little bit of, you know, organizational loyalty that we just don't see anymore or yeah. actually ever? Yeah, yeah, and that, that goes for a lot of different sports too now. That's, yeah. It's crazy. Unfortunately, the business side of things come into play, and yeah. it's hard, you know. It's, it's not just a game at that point. Right. Everyone's trying to make money, and it's sad to see sometimes. So we talked about the coaches and how they need to get the right players, the balls at the right times. 
What do you think is going on with this coaching staff? You think anyone's possibly on the hot seat? I mean, it has to be. So I think I saw a stat that Hugh Jackson in was it nineteen games is or, or eighteen games is like three fifteen and one in games decided by six points or less as head coach of the Cleveland Browns. That's terrible. That, well, but that tells you you're in position to win these games. You're in position to win these games, and it's not this whole God. They're getting blown out every week. They're not. I mean, the Chargers a couple weeks ago was an exception to the it's rule, obviously. But they've been in literally every single game. What I saw that it described it the best is that this team has a two four and one record when they should be six and one. And drinking that, that's a good point. I mean, we've been in positions where we could have come away with some W's in these football games. We've been to four overtimes for Christ's sakes, and we got what two wins to show for it. Yep, one away from the NFL record, tying the NFL record for the nineteen eighty three Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I think the the thing that we had to expect this though. I mean, these personalities that the coaches have, Greg Williams, Todd Haley, and Hugh Jackson. I mean, Hugh Jackson is who somebody we don't talk about his personality enough. The dude's cocky. He has three wins in two and a half seasons. It's And he comes to the press conferences acting like nothing's wrong, like, oh, and he throws players under the buses. He throws coaches under the buses. This is something you have to expect when you have three type A personalities. And now he says he's going to take more control of the offense. Yeah. Now let me ask you, let me ask you guys this. Based on our, our predictions last week and, and what we say about Hugh, do you want to change up any of your opinions on how long he lasts? Wait, what did you, what did you say last week? Eight games? <laughs> I, said, I said he's got four more weeks left. So he's got three more weeks left okay. now until he's out of here. When's and the bye? We have two more weeks until the bye. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, I think I speak for all of us when I say we all want Hugh to go as soon as possible. I think the dude's past the hot seat. That seat is burning up. It's on fire. Let's get this dude out of town, and let's really start the new era Browns. And the the issue I have with this, though, is I don't know who in the hell I trust as interim head yes. coach of this team. That's the only part of me that's like, okay, I don't. I, I literally trust zero. I, I mean, I kind of agree with you where it's like, what's the – I mean, obviously, I think we would all say Hugh Jackson is not going to be the coach next year. But it's like, what's the difference if we fire him this year or in the offseason? Because we're not going to go anywhere. I think it's pretty safe to say with our schedule, it, it's going to be a hell of a run. I mean, we have the Falcons and the Pittsburgh Steelers the next two weeks. And then the Chiefs, right? And then the Chiefs right after that. I mean, it's going to be a long year. So what's the difference? I, this, is, this goes back to, and I know it's kind of getting off track, but this goes back to why the hell did they even retain him when they changed general managers? Exactly. Why? What was the point of it? Well, the Haslams seem to have so much love for Hugh Jackson. I do not understand why. It's because he can easily manipulate people, just like he can manipulate you know, the media I, to get on his actually, side as well. I'll give you a little bit of credit where it's due. He does know how to command a locker room. And yes. for some reason, the players really do love playing for him. They really do. And, that, and that's another part of it that would be a negative. Some players might take that the wrong way. You already see players getting mad when they trade Carlos Hyde. You don't know. Maybe Tyrod Taylor is the next guy to go. Who knows? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still a business, and I think business calls for the firing of Hugh Jackson. Not to mention, look at all these penalties the Browns have been getting throughout the weeks. What is it? We looked into it. It's almost 10 penalties a game. That's just uncalled for, and that's unacceptable. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible, and that reflects on Hugh Jackson as well. I mean, it, it comes down to player discipline. Is The players might love him, but maybe the, they're not getting it. I don't know. Just speaking of penalties, by the way, how about that Baker Mayfield oh non-penalty call? I that want was, to talk about it. That was the most bizarre call I've ever heard by a referee 
in my entire life of watching uh, football. Ask Maddie Ice. I, I think I was the first one to notice this throughout everybody before it started getting talked about. I looked at him after that happened because they, they ruled him as a, you know, a, a runner downfield. Here, real quick. The explanation was the player was allowed to hit the quarterback in the head because he was still a runner at that point. Yes. Yep. That's exactly. That's when what when I, is that allowed in any other aspect of the game? It's an automatic <laughs> targeting. Like, but it's all right now. You guys they are, hit the quarterback while he's sliding. You guys are preaching to the choir. That's literally exactly what I told him at that time. I was like, did I just hear that guy right? I told him no. I was like, you're, you're delusional. There's yeah. no way. I mean, because that's everything the NFL doesn't want is exactly what he just said. Mm-hmm. They want to protect these quarterbacks, but apparently they want to protect the quarterbacks when they're not wearing a Browns uniform. Or, or protect players. Can we just talk? I mean, it's literally the definition of helmet to helmet. He put the crown of his head Mm -hmm. in Baker Mayfield's ear hole. Yep. That's a textbook. Do not. He should have been thrown out of the game and fined $50,000, $60,000 for a He's going to get a big fine. I'm telling you because he didn't get thrown out. They're going to come heavy on him. I don't know. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I hate being the guy that says, you know, cries wolf, whatever. But good God. For three straight weeks now. You're seeing penalties that, one, affect the game, and two, are just blatantly not being called. There was a call in overtime of the game that could have had a huge impact, and that was another missed false start call blatantly. Oh, my oh God. yeah. Second straight week. Thank the Lord we had something good, a good outcome out of that, yeah. or I would have lost yeah, it. it. Yeah, it ended up being a touchdown later down the field, but it was another blatant call that they did not make. I, I don't know what it is about these referees and this team, but... It, it's true. I'm sorry. You can call me a homer. You can call me whatever, but it's literally true. And you can look at any NFL reporter, national, local. They're going to say the same damn thing. How many apology letters is the NFL going to have to send out before it's too much? They don't want to send apology letters. Well, well, to be fair, at least the Browns aren't getting these grade A best officials in the league. Did I hear correctly that that was like a rookie team on their first NFL game? That was Ed Hockley's son, I think. Yeah, it was. No, it was. Yeah, yeah he's got to go. I would say this. Why not suspend refs like players can get suspended? Why They should get fined, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know about fine because they're not making the money of the NFL, but I definitely think there should be some kind of um, you know, suspension or some kind of penalty in general because it's not fair that they can mess up that bad, especially from a safety standpoint. You, people make mistakes. We're human. We understand that. But that's a huge mistake. At the end of the day, we can blame the refs all we want. But it comes down to the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns only. We got to figure out as an organization, and hopefully within these next few weeks, we can grow some balls, get a win or two, and turn this thing around. One word. What do they need to do going forward? What one word describes it to you? Discipline. I, I was actually thinking the exact same thing. You take away n- not having 10 penalties, I can take maybe three, four, or five, but like how many yards come off that every single week? If we're just disciplined, it totally can switch the momentum of the game for us because I feel like that those penalties are coming in, in such big moments too where it's it's killing us and we're getting screwed because of it. Aggressive, another word, got to be aggressive. Execution. Execute the game plan and hopefully the, it's a good game plan. <laughs> how about finish? Yeah. Finish the damn Or game. how about this? I'm going to go complete opposite. Start. Start the game. We haven't. We have six we, points in the first quarter. We haven't scored a touchdown. In the yeah, first six quarter points all year. in the first quarter, and we're seven games through right now. Wow, I didn't expect to get so many different one-word answers. Good job, boys. <laughs> Touchdowns. 
Special teams. All right, so speaking of football woes, we all saw it Saturday night. Ohio State went down against unranked Purdue. Not going to lie, that one kind of bums me out. The annual Urban Meyer letdown game, it always happens, and it's usually in a raucous environment at night, conference game. It's usually what happens. You know, I don't think we need to get into too many details what happened. You know, Purdue was playing for something more that night, a little extra motivation. Oh, absolutely. Tyler Strong. That was awesome. Yeah, Tyler Strong. You know what? This is one of the first losses where I know it, it was kind of heartbreaking to me because, you know, I want to see Ohio State do well. That's my team. But at the same time, just seeing what that game meant for such a strong young human being, it was just – It was awesome. Honestly, Purdue deserved to win that game. It's just hard to fathom and not trying to get like too sad in the show because I know we try to be really happy and funny at times, but I just can't imagine what that kid's going through knowing that he has days left. I mean, it's not it's not weeks, it's not years, it's days left. He might not even see Purdue play again, but I know for, for one thing's for sure that he's definitely going up to heaven a happy kid. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. His last memory of Purdue, you know, he's going to remember them running onto the field being number two Ohio State. You yeah. know, this really makes you want to put things in perspective, you know. It's more than just a game. That game, it was more than just a football game that night. That was everything to that young little kid. Shout out to Tyler, baby. Tyler Strong. Yeah, and I mean, there's not much to talk about Ohio State. We're all very disappointed. You know, they kind of dropped down to number, literally number 11 right now. I don't know if, would you guys think we have any chance of making the playoffs? A lot of things would have to happen for Ohio State to make the playoffs. First of all, they'd have to win out. And that's not easy in itself. They'd have to win out, win the Big Ten championship, and hope for a couple of the teams that are above them to lose. Yeah, no, um, you're going to have to win out. You're going to have to beat Michigan, who is, in fact, a top-four team right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, are they, are they number <clears throat> They're five? They're number five. Okay, well, they can definitely crack into it, um, and, and that could definitely be a part of it. But All right, Dizanot, I'm going to help you out a little bit here. Um, I'm going to give you a top ten right now. So we have Bama number one. Shocking. Clemson, two. Notre Dame, three. LSU, four. Michigan, five. Texas, six. Hook'em. Georgia, seven. Oklahoma, eight. Florida, nine. And UCF, ten. With that being said, I'm going to look. I'm staring right at you, Ski Boy. Who's your top four right now? Who's going to make the playoffs in your... I got, I got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Those aren't staying. Or those are staying. And then once LSU gets beat this week, and then when Ohio State beats Michigan, I got Texas. Okay. Of Texas, tell, oh, well, yeah, it might be a little biased. They got, I mean, they, no, they definitely have a resume. They should have a pretty easy schedule outside of West Virginia. Um, I'm a little worried about Oklahoma State this week. I was actually at that game last year in Oklahoma State. Just they, they beat them in overtime. It was very crushing. But uh, pokes aren't very good this year, are I, they? I think they have. I think Texas has a pretty good chance to slide in that top four. Um, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I know there's this one team that I keep saying, and everybody keeps laughing at me, but UCF. I'm 100% UCF. still all in on them. I'm going to go Bama number one, and I'm actually going to call my team. Well, two's Clemson still. I don't, I don't see any game they're going to lose, but I know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans out there that are going to be unhappy about this one, but I do believe Notre Dame is going to lose versus Syracuse at New York Yankees Stadium. It's going to happen. They're playing there? They're playing at Yankee Stadium. Um, it sounds like be, a bowl game. That yeah. sounds like the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Why? They're going to lose to Syracuse. At Who should have beat Clemson this year? Yeah. 
Clemson was on their third string quarterback. It's their second string at the time because I mean, what they, they, knocked, they knocked out. He the was first getting string guy. third string reps up until that point I'm just because the guy you, quit a day before the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be like everybody else. Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then a fourth team. I do think that Notre Dame is going to lose to either Syracuse or USC because USC is going to be a, is an away game. It's at USC. And that's a rivalry game. game too. It's boys. a rivalry game. Um, number. So I'm going to go Alabama, Clemson. Uh, we're going to go with Georgia and UCF. Okay. Decent not what you got, bud. Jeez. Uh, I'm going to go more traditional. Uh, Alabama, I think, is going to finish number one. Uh, they haven't really faced too big of a competition yet, but, God, I love Tua. To, how do you say his last name? Tagavolia? It's just Tua. That's it. Tua Tagavolia. Tua who gives a fucking shit. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. He, that, that, man, he's really good. He gets hurt every, day, every, every game, but the thing is, he he's got some dimes that he throws, man. He got some real dimes. Dropping some Dilford uh, dimes. That's top of the line. That cute face with a lace. Slim big waist. behind. It's slim waist, but waist. I thought it's slim waist. Thin waist. Thin waist. Okay. All right. How old are we, guys? It's wow. e waist. Cute face, little waist with a big behind. Uh, it's definitely not little. All right. Well, you guys prepared to gasp because this is gonna be my top four, and I'm, I'm gonna shake it up a little bit. I wrote it down right here, and I know I'm gonna get some. Bad feedback for this one. But you know what? I honestly believe this. I got first seed, Notre Dame. They're going to win out, and they're going to be the only undefeated team, and they're going to be the number one seed. No wonder he was so defensive, Matty. Number two, LSU. Because not only are they going to beat Bama, but they're going to win the whole damn SEC. Joe Burrow, shout out. One time for the one time. Go, Joe. Number three, even though I think this is – the weakest team involved, it's going to be Clemson. Their schedule is so easy, and they're just going to march right through the ACC, and they're naturally just going to get a berth into the college football playoffs. And number four, because of Alabama losing, and they're going to come back strong by winning the Big Ten Championship after beating Michigan and Michigan State and probably Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State. Gosh, it's almost like he's an Ohio State fan and a Notre Dame fan. You have Joey Burrow, you have Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Nice and, job, man. And Clemson. <laughs> they produce football players, boys. I'm telling you, this is how it's going to happen. Alabama, the anointed ones, the best team in college football, is not going to make the college football playoffs. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. I don't. I have to look at the standings. I'm not very big with the SEC. Bama's going to get in even with one loss, in my opinion, if they win the SEC. I don't know if LSU beats Bama, if that automatically eliminates them. We might have to check on that. I'm th- I think it would because I think LSU only has one loss to Florida. All right, so Diesel Nut, what's your final four? Sorry, I cut you off earlier. You got to give it to us, boy. That's fine. Uh, Alabama, I will go with – who is difficult? I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Nice. I'm going to say Clemson's going to lose. Ooh, so they're spicy. Out. To who? Spicy. <laughs> they're, they're out. Um Oh, man, it's hard to say this. I'm going to say Michigan. That's not a hot take. That's not a hot take. Oh, and you know what? I'm feeling generous. I'll give the nod to the old Longhorns. Oh, Oh, I thought he was going UCF with me. Uh, I can't can't with UCF just because of the schedule, but... They have two top 25s left this year. I know, I know, I know. And I love Mackenzie Milton, but (laughs) I think think that uh, Texas could definitely do it. All right, so just to recap, the fourth team for Diesel Nut and Ski Boy Wonder, the Texas Longhorns. 
Hook them. Young Ice over here has UCF. UCF. Yeah, good call, bud. And then your boy Breezy decided to throw in Ohio State. I guess we got to see how the cookie crumbles. All right, let's just take a quick little break from sports. Tis the season. We've been doing this over the past couple weeks. Get into our Halloween segment. Gentlemen, you got any funny or spooky stories you'd like to share? Well, speaking of spooky stories, your boy just went to the Spooky Ranch. I, I don't even know where it was. It was in the middle of nowhere. Please tell me the it was called the Spooky Ranch. ranch. It's literally called the, the Spooky Ranch. The Bunny ranch. ranch or the Spooky Ranch? So, <laughs> remind you, I'm not all about like pain to get scared. It's not my thing. Spooky you know, Ranch. The, the girl, she wanted me to go, so I was like, all right, I'll go. So we end up going to the Spooky Ranch, and there's basically five different parts that you can go to, like a hayride, clown house, all this different thing. But like the how main much, one, how much for the hand jibbers? Five dollars from from a six dollars six dollars from a clown from Freddy Krueger. <laughs> um, no, but it's like the main the main house is like supposedly the scary one. So I'm like, all right, whatever. You go in groups of four. So somebody's leading it. Two girls in the middle, and I'm like, whatever, I'll go in the back, even though I'm dreading it the entire time. Backside ice. Yeah. So we're going through. It's in this area where it's pitch black. Like, you can't even see the hand in front of you. And we're walking through this, and I'm feeling the wall because, obviously, I can't see what's going on. And all of a sudden, I feel what I think is a shoulder. So I kind of back away from where I think is a shoulder, and there's a clown of some sort behind me. And it they're not allowed to touch you here, but because I like backed so fast, I ran into them and I threw my arm up in the air to like get away from me. And I connected my elbow right in the jaw. It was like, you know, when you're messing around with your younger brother and you actually hit him in the jaw and the teeth, like nail each other. And you hear that noise of the, that's what happened. Cause my elbow hit him right below the jaw. And I'm just, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I couldn't stop laughing. So the rest of the haunted house wasn't scary to me at all. Cause I'm just picturing this guy coming out you know, this towny, you know, meth head, just like, <laughs> this asshole just elbowed, you know, elbowed me in the fucking chin. I should be at Bloodview where I can sock these guys because at Bloodview, they can actually touch you, believe it or not. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my funny story that I experienced so far this Halloween. Spooky Ranch. So, at the Spooky Ranch, Maddie Ice gave the clown the people's elbow. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cobra Kai, it's to my understanding that you're a story guy. You got any uh, nice, funny, or spooky stories for us? I don't know. This isn't spooky, but um, this may be a little little funny. I will take it back to high school um, when I was a loser, and I passed out candy with my friend G and his girlfriend at the time, and uh, I almost got arrested um, trying to prank some little kids. And uh, let me set the stage. I'm in a full get-up uh, hunter. Like uh, you know, I used to be a hunter, so like full camo. And I had a Jason mask that the face, you know, bled, you know, if you pump it or whatever. Oh, yeah, I remember those masks. And uh, I had some some big old um, boots on, and uh, I decided it would be a good idea to get a weed whacker <laughs> in replace of a chainsaw, right? And uh, I had to walk a couple blocks down to uh, my buddy's house with this weed whacker, and uh, he, um, we thought it was a good idea if he gets all the leaves that you put at the end of your driveway, and I hid in it with the fucking weed whacker and the Jason mask and all that. And uh, these little kids walk by and I pop out and I fucking (laughs) and they freak out and I'm running up the street (laughs) with this thing over my head. (laughs) We get to the top of the street. I'm still chasing these kids. There's cars parked everywhere. 
And I'm like dipping and diving in between these cars, trying to hide from them, and then just like walking slowly, just ringing this thing. <laughs> Can we hear that one more time? <laughs> Fast forward like 15 minutes later, whatever, 20 minutes later, I'm, I'm out on the, on the front porch passing out candy, just still sitting in this costume. And all of a sudden, whoop, whoop, this is on the police, whoop, whoop. This fucking Twinsburg police cruiser pulls into my, or into my buddy's driveway, lights blaring, and the guy just rolled out of the window, and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? Get your ass down here. I'm like, holy shit. I was so nervous. I was like a sophomore in high school at the time. He goes, come down here. Go down there, dude. I'm shaking, dude. I'm a little... My little hunting boots, and uh, goes no. It's it's my dad's friend who is a cop. Is his best friend. I got so lucky. It was him and not some regular PD officer. And uh, he's like, yeah, some lady up the street called the cops. And I'm like, who would call the cops? It's Halloween. It was my aunt who lived up the street from <laughs> from G's house. It was my aunt. Ski, did you tell her that snitches get stitches? <laughs> I should have. But, yeah, it was, I'm like, I can't believe my aunt almost got me arrested. That's great. Yeah, so that, that was a good Halloween story. Nice. <laughs> Diesel? Uh, nothing's going to beat his. I'm not going to even bother. <laughs> go ahead. Go, go ahead, Breezy. Well, shit, I don't know how I can top that. I mean, as a kid, I would just go trick-or-treat and get some candy and probably eat it all in one night. That's about the best story I got going for me. <laughs> I mean, one thing we're not even talking about is how about the Halloween parties? I mean, I know Diesel Nut came uh, and visited our Bobcats at OU. Diesel, how did you like Halloween at OU? It was unlike anything else I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. Um, I think the funniest part was that the tables got flipped, and you guys were actually popping up the ceiling tiles... Yeah. And I don't know what you were looking for. I think it was a ball. I think it was, it was, it was a ball. ball. Yeah, somehow the ball. we but thought the ball went up there. I don't know why you thought the ball was up there, but <laughs> anyone was up there. But the funniest part was everybody's like dressed up like, you know, a couple of our buddies dressed up as lam- lumberjacks. Uh, one of our buddies that looks like Michael Phelps dressed up as Michael Phelps. You know, some random biddies in there randomly uh, scattered or scattered about. Um, you know, I, I what was I? That was something really lame. I think I just had a Browns hat on with... <laughs> I think I had a brown tan on with like eye black and like a, a sharpie drawn mustache on. Sounds about right. Yeah, I wore just a diaper to that party. <laughs> a diaper. Yeah, that was good. I mean, as students at OU, we hated Halloween because you had no service, you couldn't get drinks anywhere, so we just kind of stayed at our place. I know one thing that we used to do before it became illegal illegal in Ohio is we would warm apple cider on the stovetop and we would pour one fifty one in it. Because the 151, you actually cannot taste it whatsoever with hot, hot apple cider. So we would get absolutely hammered after like probably four drinks. And the worst part about it is we didn't realize this till the next day. Apparently, apple cider does not go well with the stomach, whether it's with alcohol or without alcohol. So the next day, <laughs> it was an absolute war zone, World War II, Vietnam battle in the fucking bathroom. Hashtag desert storm. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like some good quality sober fun in Athens, Ohio. What else is new? And all you trick-or-treaters, be safe out there as you go trick-or-treating next week. And more importantly, watch out for crazy whack jobs with weed whackers. All right, so back to the sports talk. As you guys are well aware, 
the Cavs season has opened up and it hasn't been such a great start. You know, we got 0-3. Is it too soon to start worrying or, or are we in panic mode right now? I guess I'll take this one. Um, I don't think you can panic. I think you can question some things, though, already. Um, as in, should they continue having the same defensive strategy as they've had for the last, I don't know, three years since they brought in Mike Longabardi, Wait, who so is their defensive assignment guy? So you're, sa- you're telling me giving up 130 points to Atlanta Hawks is unacceptable? Dude, Trey Young, man. Well, here's, here's what I'll say on that front. So, yeah, they've given up a ton of points, um, and I've been following a lot of reports. It makes sense that the Cavs give up a lot of points because they're playing really, really fast. Right. And if they're playing really, really fast, the other team is also going to play really, really fast and score a lot, which it, it makes logical sense. There's also a, a way where they're being taught to crash the boards really hard on the offensive class. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get those offensive rebounds, it's automatically a five-on-three the other way. True. So those, those aspects make sense. What does not make sense is when your rookie point guard isn't listening to you on the schematic side of things because what they're doing is they're trying to switch a lot and the communication is not there. So if that's happening you're going to get torched. And what happened was they treated Trey Young like he was a non-shooter. They let him <laughs> they let him walk into threes. And then once he walked into those threes, it opened up for the rest of his teammates. They gave up 22 of them. Uh, and that's just, you're going to get burned that way. So uh, defensively, I think, is where you have the biggest concern. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys, you know, kind of bounce off of each other on that end. I think they're just fine on the offensive end. If, if you ask me, I think perfectly fine on the offensive fine, uh, end. But, yeah, D needs work. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, obviously, I don't think anybody was expecting a ton from them this year. Uh, I, it's a little bit scary how bad we have. I know the games have looked close, but the Hawks game was so demoralizing. I actually went to the game myself, um, paid pretty decent bucks for my seats. But um, the biggest thing is it's like, the atmosphere is so much different in there, man. I've been going to, I've gone to so many Cavs games since LeBron has been back and just kind of going yesterday was depressing. I think the guy next to me actually fell asleep in the middle of the game, almost had a wake, you know, the guy next to me, Hey man, you know, the game's still going on right now, but the, the stadium was a little bit depressing. People, there was two signs that said, where's LeBron. It's just like, it's going to, it's just, we have to get used to it. You know what I mean? It's not the same old team that how, we've been used how to. How is that new stadium though? Did you get to check out the new standing room only? Did they have that open? No. So it, it's actually still basically under construction. It was really cold inside the stadium because the, the, the doors aren't completely shut all the way yet because it's still under construction. The Hawks so fire. it was freezing. Um, the one thing I did like new about the stadium is the lighting is completely different in there. There's a lot more like flashing, a lot more like lights coming from all over the stadium. So that part of it was really nice. But I mean, we're still in the beginning stages of the of the new stadium. Do you know it's the oldest arena in the NBA? Yeah, twenty five years. Something like really? That. Yep, oldest arena. Wow. Hmm. We just is that have... is that because just everyone's move moving like and getting new places new venues yeah and we don't have and there's no more room downtown yeah. to put a new one that's so we're just, just gonna re- we're just gonna redo it which that's i mean i'm happy about it's gonna be sweet that's just shocking that it's the oldest 25 years old is the oldest stadium. shout out to the gundarina dude shout out and then before that the richfield coliseum but 
I mean, Breezy, what, what, what do you think about Cavs, though, so far? Uh, I know you were kind of shaking your head a little bit. It, it's hard to jump to conclusions with this team. We're three games in. We're very young. I don't know. I just – a couple question marks with the coaching maybe a little bit. I mean, why isn't Corver getting some minutes? Why did JR – why are they both healthy scratches last game? That's a little head scratcher to me. I know you want the young guys to play and get acquainted to the NBA and come together as a unit, but – it's a business, and you want to win games. If you want to pack that stadium to a whopping 12,000 fans, and you're going to have to start winning some games. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, but you're the positive guy, though. What, what, what do you view liked about these? Because the, the, I think the most disappointing part about the home opener is that they didn't have the same effort that they did the first two games. I'm sorry. No, I the, agree. the Raptors game, they had effort. The Minnesota game in the second half was great. That game against the Hawks, they came out in the first quarter and looked awesome and then just got absolutely obliterated in the last three quarters. So th- I think that's the most disappointing part, but positives for you. Well, I'm going to quote one of the best movies ever created, and that's Semi-Pro. Just got to start hitting our threes, man. No, but seriously, uh, I just think, like, like I said, it's a young team that's trying to get together. What I did like seeing is I like the fast tempo. I liked how everyone's getting involved in the offense, specifically Jetty Osman. I, I think say, I'm going to help you out a little bit, Jetty. That's been I the think one positive. Jetty's he's looking like a bona fide all star here. I'm not ki- I'm not kidding when I say that. Like he's playing some all star caliber basketball. Whether that's going to hold up the whole season, I don't know. I pr- I doubt it. But it's good to see him finally hitting some open jumpers, even trying to take over the game a little bit. And especially at the home opener, I know we were down, but there was like three consecutive shots in a row where he just Pulled up, hit a three, dribbled to the right, hit a three, and I'm like, wow, Jetty, way yeah. to add that to your arsenal. Remember when I said that in that interview yeah, with, no, with, that's with true. Uh, Junior last week? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like there's a conflict of interest going on where Gilbert wants to win now and Ty's like, look at our roster, we can't win now. You know what I mean? Because I'm not trying to be that guy. I know I'm negative a lot, but I just don't understand the whole like signing of Larry Nance, signing of Kevin Love. Like, yeah, it's good we're getting these players long term, but these players aren't going to – I don't think Kevin Love and Larry Nance are going to make us a playoff-caliber team. I really don't. Well, they didn't sign him to max contracts. They just signed him to extensions. I just feel like it's wasted money. I, sh- not, I, I really like the Larry Nance signing. I think he's just going to keep growing and become way better. He's yet to hit his ceiling. You know why it's not waste money? Because George Hill and J.R. Smith come off the books next year, potentially, Yeah. which is a huge offloading uh, because they're not. they both have partially non-guaranteed stuff next mm-hmm. year. So. Um, it'll open up a little bit more room. Um, but to your point, Jetty Osman, yes, I think people also need to talk about Tristan Thompson and how well he's played in the first three games, mm-hmm. um, and, and including preseason, too. Well, I, I, he's heavily motivated now. I mean, like you said, now that LeBron's gone, maybe he's the guy. You know, it's, he, he could take over. He can finally score some points on the offense and contribute defensively like he has in years past. I actually, I really like when he switch. you know how you said we're going to try to switch everything? Tristan Thompson's one of the best big men when switching off on point guards. He moves his feet extremely well. Yep, very versatile, very versatile. Jordan Clarkson, yeah, another guy another who's really come out of, the, uh, out of the shoot, really seems poised and focused, uh, worked on that jump shot, as I said, a couple weeks ago, uh, looking really good as well. So there, there's definitely things to look forward to. Kevin Love is not going to shoot 30% on the year, guys. Yeah, he's he's that's probably not, been the worst. Well, that, that's of not going to happen. We're he's talking gonna positives. Get, he's going to get right. Kevin Love, he's... He's been a real disappointment to start yeah. the season. Yeah. He just yeah. signed his contract. He's getting paid. We need a lot more from him if we want to w- even start winning a couple games here and there. Yeah, mm-hmm. because people are talking trade bait with his contract. 
the same time, if he doesn't improve his game significantly and look like the player he was in Minnesota, nobody's going to want that contract. I, I I still think he'll be fine, dude. He's, he's going to be fine. He's going to get to the line, and, and you know he's going to open up his, his jump shot. He's too good of a player. The, what what needs to be done though is for him to be hitting clutch shots. Though. Yes, that is that that is definitely an area of concern. That's one thing that scares me though. Is like when we're down one with twenty seconds left, like who do we go to? I I, I don't know. I don't think you isolate Kevin Love. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it depends on the day. You give it to the high hand, especially with this team. There's Young Bull, be- Jordan Clarkson. Young Bull can yep. get to the rack at will. Yep. Agreed. And he's going to continue to grow. If he can really develop that jump shot and start hitting it, he can be one of the elite point guards in this league. 100%. 100%. Hey, yo, Ski Boy, you got any thoughts on the Cavs? You've been catching these games lately? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched a whole lot of the Cavs here and there, especially uh, this past game. I was uh, was hung over as a bat, and after that, that Browns lost. I had a, I had a tough Saturday night. It was... I was up to like 5 a.m. And so I was struggling to even get up for the Browns game. I wasn't going to miss it, but I was just – I passed out on the couch and just was hungover. And uh, so I don't have really too much to contribute to this one. I'm looking forward. I, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not in Cavs mode yet. I just – these first three games I haven't watched uh, a whole lot. Um, but I'll definitely – I'm going to get into it. Just, just Sunday was a rough day for me, per usual. Well, the Cavs got the playoff contender Brooklyn Nets coming to town here on Wednesday. Let's see how the season goes from here. So back to the Browns. We got the Steelers coming up this weekend. Boys, I'm not going to lie. I'm not looking forward to this. Yeah, I mean, what I'm kind of thinking right now. Wait, wait. What's that, Diesel Nut? Really? Okay, then. Calling in live from Chicago, Illinois, your boy Junior decided to give his Browns prediction. Junior? Yo, yo, boys, what's going on? Yo! Calling in, calling in from the Windy City. How is it? It's uh, it's cold. It's beautiful, though. It's cold uh, here, too. Enjoying some good deep-dish pizza. Can't complain. Some calamari. The likes of the famous Chicago 312 Ale. But uh, not going to lie, wish I was uh, with the boys on the pod tonight. I'm sure you guys covered a lot of good stuff. We're we're all waiting to ask you one question. Did you flick the bean? I flicked the bean. How was it, man? It was it was an unreal experience. Wow. Uh, just breathtaking. I guess you just had to be there. Would you say it was the largest bean that you have ever flicked? Without a doubt. Wow. That's saying something. And I've seen some of the beans <laughs> this dude has brought home. I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm surprised. All right, Junior, so we're all waiting here. What's your prediction for Sunday? All right, so my prediction, it's Halloween weekend. It's going to get real scary in Pittsburgh for these brownies. Let me tell you, some of these injuries are starting to collect up, pile up. Granted, that's no excuse, as my boy Matty Ice would probably already alluded to in this podcast. But with Hugh Jackson's coaching, I see Pittsburgh giving the Browns Pittsburgh Steelers, 27. York Cleveland Browns, 17. Okay. Well, thank you, Junior, for calling in. We appreciate the call. Hey, you haven't been uh, here the whole time, but you've been here in spirit. Thanks for the appearance. Stay blessed, buddy. I appreciate it. Hey, shout out to uh, 
Big Roni in Chicago. That's I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the Big Roni in Chicago. We might have to have Roni come in and uh, be on the podcast oh, here Thanksgiving or Christmas yeah, time. Big Roni, when he's home back in the old Buckeye State, he will be on this podcast as a guarantee. Shout out, Roni. Hey, before you guys let me go, what's up, Diesel Nut? What's <laughs> going on, Junior? <laughs> chilling, chilling. All right, thanks, Junior. Maddie, I swear to your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, as I alluded to about four podcasts ago when we were talking about are the Steelers done for it? Are the Patriots done for it? I'm looking at you right now, Breezy. Um, me? I did say that I thought the Patriots and the Steelers were both going to still make the playoffs and both are number one teams right now. Um, I think the Browns are heartbroken after that last loss. I'm not feeling good about it at all. I'm actually going to go with the Squealers 28, the Brownies 13. Wow. Decent that? I hate to be the bearer of bad news as, as well, but uh, this is all dependent, by the way, on uh, whether Le'Veon Bell comes back or not. Not too much, though, because James Conner has done an absolutely, absolutely amazing job for them. Shishi. Um I believe they are coming off of a buy, are they not? That is correct. Oh, that is bad, bad, bad news. Worse news than I anticipated. So I think the last time Antonio Brown did not get in the end zone, right? Yeah. I th- First no, game? No. First no, game? No, I don't he, think he, he got? He did. I think he caught one over Denzel Ward. Did he? Right in front of the dog pound. Ah, okay. Very interesting. I think Juju Smith-Schuster gets two touchdowns. Yeah, okay. I think that Ben Roethlisberger rumbles his big ass into the end zone at some point. I think that we come close to like getting him sacked, I don't know, like three times, but uh, never get him down. So not, no sacks on the game at all? No, no. Uh, I'm going to go with 38 to 20 Oof. in favor of the black and yellow. Fair. All right, ski boy. What are your thoughts, buddy? Well, uh, I'm actually right on point with Diesel Nut here. I, I was going to go the Steelers 38, the Browns 24. It's not looking good. I feel like AB's going to have a big game. Juju's going to have a big game. James Conner's going to have a big game. And I think with, with our the way we've been struggling and the amount of penalties that we've already talked about, I feel like the Steelers are going to put up big on us. All right, fair. And you know me being the big old positive guy over here. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you guys. I just – I don't think it's going to be a good one for the Browns. You know, we're in turmoil right now. I know the Steelers were in turmoil at the beginning of the season, but how the tables have turned real quick. So, I don't – I think they're going to come out. They're going to pound the rock against us. They're going to run us off the field, sprinkle in the passing to Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown. They're going to drop a 42 spot on us. And the Browns, even though the scoreline's going to make it seem like it's close because the, my prediction is Steelers 42, Browns 35, they're gonna get, the Browns are going to punch in a consolation touchdown in scrap time when D- Pittsburgh's playing prevent defense. I think we're going to get our ass kicked. I thought you were going to say that Diesel Nut was playing prevent defense. I've been doing that my entire life. There you go. Look out for the Diesel Nut. <laughs> hey, let's say this. If the Browns somehow pull this shit off, we need to pick against them every week. So I mean, I I've been I've been wrong every week, so maybe this is a good maybe th- maybe it continues. Who knows? Yeah, this is my first time picking the Browns to lose, so I 
That shows my track record. <laughs> All right, now it's time for our, what grinds your gears segment, which is brought to you in part by Mio Energy. One squeeze, everybody knows the rules. Uh, All right, Diesel Nut, you want to start us off with this one? Yeah, just a particular one I have in mind. Um, so you see somebody out on the street, at work, at home maybe, <laughs> in some cases, at a family reunion, or out at the bar, something like that. Anywhere? Anywhere. 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 Yes. And you know them, yet they don't follow you on social media. It's just kind of like, why? Why don't you? Why don't you? <laughs> I like just our, followed uh, Diesel Nut last week on Twitter. <laughs> As serious, I've known like, the kid for like eight years. It, it, it's like, I don't understand. Some people I have their numbers and stuff like that. Yeah, like I'll, I'll be following them on, I don't know, whether it's Instagram, whether it's, you know, Twitter. I don't really care about Facebook because no one cares about Facebook anymore. But My mom does. Yes. People over the age of 40 love Facebook. But I'll tell you, I, it just, I don't understand why you don't follow me back. It's not that big of a deal. And even in my career field, which will be held in anonymous nature, I guess is the way to say it, private nature, um, when you make connections he with somebody. He works at the spooky ranch. I might. I might. And his jaw's a little bit sore. That's from other things. All right. Keep going. <laughs> but anyways, you know, they won't add you back on LinkedIn or something like that. It's like, Why? Why? I, I've literally met you in person. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go kind of a little bit off of that. It's not going to be exactly social media, but mine's going to be email etiquette. So <laughs> I was emailing a client today, and I just think it looks so unprofessional to not have like a signature at the bottom of it. I never oh, had course. a signature when I was younger, you know, like in high school or maybe even in college, but... I just feel like everybody, especially if you're doing business to business, should have a signature at the end of like it. Like a sincerely or a thank yeah, you or a... It could end it, but I'm more of talking about, like, for instance, mine is, you know, my name, who I work for, and a phone number. So when you're emailing somebody off their work phone number, I get it if you're emailing somebody off your phone, but I'm just talking more business to business. Put a signature. It just looks professional. And another little thing is also the... Um, misspelling on emails how do you oh, yeah how do you misspell like we've had technology breezy ever heard of spell check dumbos that's what i'm saying we've had spell check since i was 12 years old just spell it right take a second it's professional proofread you should think about it take a second ding what grinds my gears is when you ask ice for a beer and he brings you a fucking twisted tea what is this thing all jokes aside, what grinds my gears, and I think, I think what Diesel Nut maybe have said this a couple episodes back, um, but when your friends can't handle their liquor, and I have two examples from this weekend. One, it was my buddy's birthday. No excuse. Takes a huge shot of tequila at dive bar, and he immediately has that face where he's gonna puke, and he's running. There's a million people there. He ends up puking in his mouth and then swallowing it to oh. make it to the trash. I almost, oh my God. I hope I'm, no one's eating listening to this. Oh my hey, gosh. Hey, spitters are quitters, though. Remember this. Right, right. And other than that, and then when, 
Later that night, we get back home for the after hours. This is Saturday night. We order a full large sheep pizza, and we may have some people visiting after hours, and your roommates decide it's going to be a good idea to chuck pieces of the sheep pizza 16 floors off the balcony onto the downtown Cleveland streets. Who paid for it? I don't care. It was with me. <laughs> Codename Furburger. But I want it. <laughs> But I wanted to have all the I wanted to have the pizza, and when you have people visiting, maybe some lady friends, that's not how you act, and you just start frisbeeing pizza out the window, sixteen floors. That's what grinds my gears. Well, ski boy, I I slightly hate you a little bit because you essentially took what grinds my gears partially, because what grinds my gears is when you roll up to the bar, you know, you're trying to get juice or a couple drinks deep, you know, you're feeling it, you're one vibing. See a little pretty girl to your left, you know, someone you're maybe interested in. You want to buy her a shot. Say, hey, listen, little girl, what do you want? Girl. Little girl, what do you want a shot of? And I swear to God, more times than not, nine out of ten, you get, Green can tea. I get a tequila shot? And nothing pisses me off more than cheap tequila shots. Mm. And I swear to God, every single time I'm so drunk and I'm feeling myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm invincible. I can take this tequila shot. Next thing you know, becomes three tequila shots. And after that, you wake up the next morning, and you got the worst hangover ever. What grinds my gears is when you take four or five tequila shots, and you wake up the next morning, and you feel like a piece of shit. Keep it simple. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why it's always cloudy in Cleveland. Undertaker, I shit you not, like this, straight up, goes like this. 